Visible is a wireless carrier that is not invisible. It is pretty clear from the name, actually, radio waves are invisible. And I can say this with authority as a licensed amateur radio operator. That being said, Visible won't be giving you the power to see light outside the visible spectrum. It's actually way better because having that ability would make getting around very difficult and distracting. What you do get with Visible is unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. You get one line of wireless, just $25 a month, which is great in these times of economic uncertainty. That is one line for $25, taxes and fees included. So whatever you're doing at this moment, please stop. Switch immediately. Now, monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Wir gerne sehen in was ist los. It's dein Freundo Seth. I'm learning German. Yeah, in case you didn't know what that was. That is me trying to impress you with the little German that I know. Right now, I am actually learning German. I took it in high school. I goofed off the entire time. I did some other language learning apps. They taught me things like where the taxi stand is and how to find a bus, um, but not a lot of conversational uh German. Thankfully, that's what Babbel is all about. Babbel teaches you language conversationally, which let's face it, that is what you want to know anyway. I don't know. When I was in school, you learned like how to count. You learned like the colors. You learned the shapes. Those are all important things, but they don't help you when you're in uh, like Cologne, Germany with Ein Nierenstein, which by the way is German for kidney stone, uh, an experience I can unfortunately speak personally to. But I've been using Babbel to learn to speak German again, uh, better than I have before. I actually really like it because it is conversational. It's a little bit more relaxed. One of the things that it does that I really like is it'll sometimes show you what the literal English translation is. And I don't know why, but I find that very helpful in sort of understanding the structure, the grammar of a language and sort of putting myself into that mind space. Since I'm only in Germany for Gamescom, which is like a week, week and a half, I'm not immersed in the German language. I'm not immersed in German culture. So what I do is the second best thing. I'm taking Babbel. Hopefully this year when I go to Germany, I'll be able to impress all the Germans with how much German I know from learning through Babbel. The app has pronunciation recognition, so you'll be able to learn how to speak better with your accent, how to actually properly pronounce the words. That way you won't get made fun of by a, a group of older German men because you said Apfelstrudel and not Apfelstrudel. Um, no, it's really cool. Uh, I'm going to say right now there is a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now you can get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners because you guys are the best ones, by the way, at babbel.com slash realm. Get 60% off at babbel.com slash realm. That is spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash realm. Rules and restrictions may apply. Listen. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Nintendo Voice Chat. My name is Tom Marks. I am your temporary host again this week. Joining me today is Mr. Brennan Graber. Hey, what's up? And uh, Mr. Jonathan Dornbush. Beyond. Hello, everyone. <laughs> wow. How's it going? Ambush. I tried. You yeah. Get that I was I was in the shadows of the set. Oh my I'm goodness. sure someone's looking at this line and going, oh, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> hey, just, just 
Give us a minute, all right? Yeah, give us some time. Uh, let We'll grow on you. This or is episode don't. 479. Uh, it's kind of a weird week this week because there's so much going on. We're getting into the busy fall season. So uh, Pear isn't here. Brian is busy with a preview. Casey just got back from Japan. She was at Nintendo Live. Uh, Zach is in... LA, Janet is in Seattle. It's just like Jose's everyone is Nintendo aware. where I yeah. mean Well, we wish him well there. Yeah. But uh yeah, it's it's a busy busy week so I got some good good friends. We're going to be we got a good show for you still. We're going to be talking about some recent news, although there's not a ton this week. We're also going to be talking about oh, what there has been a ton this week is reviews. So we're going to be talking about recent reviews for Switch or the biggest ones of this week. Sorry, Jonathan, did you have a point to make? Or no, I was, I, was, I was thumbing up. Oh, okay. I, I, thumbing up. I was giving a thumbs up. <laughs> I like thumbing up. I'm going to go with that Thumbing now. up. This is off to a great start already. We also got a busy week for releases. There's a lot coming out. Uh, so be sure to stick around because we just got, got a lot of great stuff to talk about. This is a laid back episode. Yeah. In for a treat. Yeah. The first thing we want to talk about, let's talk, start jumping in with uh, with news because there's there's... Not a ton, but there are some cool things to discuss here. The first being, I feel like it's become a weekly tradition on this show to say, <laughs> hey, there's new Pokemon stuff. We're in that cycle where they're starting to release things every week. They're really getting people going, hyping people up uh, by adding just new little bits and pieces. This week, we got Fat Pikachu. Yeah. And <laughs> Long Meowth. And Long Meowth. Uh, we also got a weird flaming Charizard. I think somebody pointed out this is the... Fourth alternate ver- or fourth Charizard version because there's the Charizard Mega X Mega Y and then now this guy which is Gigantamax Charizard. You almost has more alts than uh, Lynn does in Fire Emblem Heroes, the gotcha game. Like, just, <laughs> here's Summer Charizard. Here's Winter Charizard. Is Charizard just having like an identity crisis, trying to figure out like who's the true Charizard? I think people just really like buying Charizard. Yeah, probably that too. Flaming yeah. Dragon. Yeah, people like Charizard, and Charizard is cool. So there are these Gigantamax forms, which basically means if uh, certain Pokemon that Dynamax, which is means getting really big, uh, if you have a and this is the weird thing, a specific Pokemon that can Gigantamax will show up with a different look to them. So Pikachu, there's if you have data, and this is the kind of interesting thing to me, if you have data from Let's Go Pikachu, you can transfer that and get a Pikachu that Gigantamaxes into this very fat Pikachu reminiscent of its first iteration. A little husky boy. Yeah. yeah. The like Pokemon yellow box art. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And similarly, if you have data from Let's Go Eevee, you get this very floofy Eevee that Gigantamaxes. Fluffy boy. Yeah. Uh, there's also a Charizard. I think, don't think they mentioned how you get that Charizard. If you have Let's Go Charizard. <laughs> <laughs> but the Meowth is not exactly like a pre-order bonus. It's like if you play at the beginning of the game, if you play early, you get this Meowth that will turn into basically they've long Because had like mystery gifts that they would send out exactly. via mail. And so there's probably going to be some of them like, hey, tune in for the next two months to get your, you know, crazy haunter that has like four arms. <laughs> right. And, and that's Here's your Cubone who's always not depressed. <laughs> Finally happy Cubone. Like a happy Cubone. Yeah. That would be the saddest thing. We're just wearing two skulls. The other thing they showed was a Butterfree that just kind of looked like it had bigger, prettier wings. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see. I like that they're doing this, that they're shaking up the the Dynamaxing. To, it gives more flavor, kind of yeah, Pokemon, I think, yeah. which is nice. Yeah. It's not just we took the model and we stretched it. Right. Like, that hey. was my worry when they showed this. I'm like, it's just going to look weird. Yeah. But uh-huh. yeah, doing fun stuff with it, especially when you're introducing a new thing that 
all of the like previous Pokemon generations have added, you know, different bells and whistles and tried to shake things up, especially recently when it comes to battles. But th- there can always be a little bit of trepidation. So I think giving this like nice visual incentive too for fans, yeah. to get something different out of it, I like a lot. I don't necessarily think it's going to convince any of the people who were not convinced by Dynamax for sure. sure. But uh, it it at least is a nice little added touch, and it's interesting to see this this thing where it's like. Only specific, like only this mouth can do this. Only this Pikachu that is from the Let's Go Pikachu data can do this. Not just any Pikachu. Uh, That's an interesting little mechanic that they're adding in. The other thing I wanted to call out is our very own Janet Garcia, uh, who is away right now, did a hands-on preview that should have gone up as of Thursday morning when we posted this show. Uh, She got to play the first 90 minutes of of Sword and Shield and did a Big old hands-on, so you can go check out IGN.com to read her thoughts on uh, on her, her time with the game after having spent some actually significant time with it. Because we got to play it at E3, but it was just real brief. That was like know. half of a gym. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it was simple. And so she she got some genuine time. Uh, from what I hear, Wulu is a major player in this game. Yeah, as Wulu should be. <laughs> but yeah, I talked to Janet a bit too, not to like speak on her behalf. Please go check out her preview. Um, but yeah, as she was telling me a bit about what she saw, she seemed pretty positive on like the things that it's maintaining, but also how it's trying to evolve the formula. Right. She called it. I think she called it like their most ambitious game in the series. Yeah, which is yeah. which is cool to hear. Adding in Digimon will do that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> that's strike two, Jonathan. I'm telling you. Look, we're only in the first five minutes. Let's we'll see where it goes. I will roll you out of it's here on that. Very chair. easy on this floor. It really is. Yeah. It's very slippery. You guys don't see this, but uh, we fight a battle every moment on this show now, just not slipping away from the microphones. So yeah, go check out our Pokemon uh, preview, Janet's preview on IGN.com right now. Another piece of news that dropped that I was really interested to see and got a lot of people more excited than I was expecting, uh, a manufacturer called Analog, who are known for making the Super NT, which is a system that uh, hardware emulates so that you can play Super Nintendo games on it. It's not, essentially, it, it mimics a Super Nintendo to play Super Nintendo games properly, but... You still need the games. Right, you still yeah. need the games. Uh, they're very against emulating games. They want to make hardware that will run those games. They just announced something called the Analog Pocket, which is, looks like a fancy little Game Boy, pretty much, and it will play Game Boy games, Game Boy Color games, and Game Boy Advance games. And you again, you need the cartridges. This is actually playing these things but it'll play these systems uh, or these games just out of the gate you just plug in the cartridge and it works except it has a 3.5 inch lcd screen that's uh, 1600 by 1440 resolution uh, and the whole thing is 200 dollars so what do you what do you guys think of this what do you think are you excited i do have a an sp on my desk that Cannot hold a charge of a battery. Right. I lost the charger, oh. and I really want to play one of the Fire Emblem games, but I can't. So this is like a, oh, well, this could be a workaround that will be nice. The one thing I'm kind of like iffy on is the design. Like, mm. it's mimicking that that original Game Boy look, but it's a lot more sleeker. But I would have almost wanted a uh, uh, an SP version or an advanced version where it's mm. more horizontal, not vertical. Right. I mean, the SP is the undisputed best Game Boy, so. Uh, <laughs> I, I love my Game Boy Advance SP. It's one of my, like, great childhood tragedies that I had to throw it out at some point Aww. in a move. Um, yeah, I, I like the design of how, like, sleek it is, but um, I don't know if I will buy it for $200, mostly because, like my Game Boy Advance SP, I don't have any of my Game Boy library anymore. Right. And that's, like, the big sticking point for me is, like, if these games are more easily accessible in, like, a legal way to buy... 
and obviously, you know, a lot of GameStops and other stores have older libraries, but man, I would play so many of my old games. Like I spent so much time on my Game Boy and Game Boy Advance. Like yeah. those are like foundational to my love of games. But this is a really cool tool for collectors or people who have held on to all these things to play these games easily on, on a piece of tech that's not, you know, decades old at this Plus point. Plus having the dock yes. is a really nice feature. Yeah, so this is another thing. Yeah. This, this is coming in 2020 sometime, and it's going to have a separate thing that you can buy also that is a dock, like the Switch, where you can plug your Game Boy game into the analog pocket, uh, and then you plug the analog pocket into a dock, and you can connect a Bluetooth controller to that, and then play your Game Boy Color or Game Boy Advance or Game Boy games on a TV, like a Switch, basically. It's a much more elegant way than the GameCube Game Boy adapter. Yeah. Plugged yeah. into the bottom of the system. That was so funny. Yeah. I think we still have one of those I, on I had GameCube one in the kid. office. Yeah. yeah, they're so goofy. Uh, yeah, so that's... It's, I mean, I don't know if I'd ever want to play a Game Boy game on a 4K TV, but <laughs> it's cool that they're just making that extremely accessible to do. Yeah. Yeah, I think... I, I oh, only sorry. have like 10... Game Boy games mm-hmm. still on me, so the price point is an issue. But we also have Pear's giant goodie bag of it's true Game Boy games that yeah. might just steal for a while. There's just <laughs> legit a bag of Game Boy games in a pile, and like picking one out, it's like, oh wow, Castlevania, or like, oh wow, Beauty and the Beast for Game Boy Color. <laughs> There's at least <laughs> okay. three copies of Shrek Castle in the castle. Real? I didn't know this was a thing. Yeah, Game yeah. Boy bag. Yeah. Wow. Huh. Oh, the unreleased system, the Game Boy bag. <laughs> Uh, well, the analog pocket, you can check it out for yourself. We've got more details on IGN as well. Uh, it's very it's very cool. I, I just like, I like that they're doing this. Yes. I, I really appreciate analog doing this stuff, even if the price point is far above the range that I would be paying, want to pay for it. It's, uh, it's still going to be really a nice thing for the people who do go after that and can't yeah. afford it. I get, I get the price point. Like I understand yeah. it, especially for like the people who probably do have collections and are like willing to shell out because of how useful and modern of a piece of equipment this is. Uh, moving on. There's a couple other things. Sonic is coming to super monkey ball, banana blitz HD. This is the remaster of the Wii game. Is that right? I think, I think so. believe so. Uh, so Sonic is going to be an unlockable character. Oh my goodness. Jonathan, you almost just fell we're over. Good. Hey. We're so good. This is a really weird place for me to be sitting right now. Yeah. You're not I feel like a kid there. at like a big boys table. You've also got like a very haunting red light. On I tried. Anyway, I almost fell on camera. I was, I was looking up uh, banana blitz. You so. were topsy turvy much like Sonic in a monkey ball. You saved it. Uh, um, Bananas turn into rings while you're playing as Sonic. It's the classic Sonic design from Generations and Forces. Uh, It's kind of just like a funny thing. Like, it's just cool. Can we see more cameos in monkey ball? Will we? Can we? Can we? Please? Yeah, or monkey ball cameos in other things. Sure. Monkey ball for Smash. Let's start that campaign. Ooh. That would be I mean, we've got like season two of DLC confirmed. (laughs) It's not a bad (laughs) At this point, like literally anything is possible. I, um... I was, yeah, I would just take a new monkey ball. Mm. Like, it's great to have Sonic in there, and obviously, like, Sega has loved to do, like, guest stars in a lot of their games, whether it's, like, the Sonic Racing games or now this, and just everything in their library. I would love, like, obviously, they're, it seems like they're testing the waters with Banana Blitz, if people are interested, still in the franchise as a thing, and I would love, like, a Switch Super Monkey Ball, like a brand new one. Yeah, I agree. It would be a, it would be a very nice thing to see, but... uh For now, this is what we have. I'll take it. Sonic in a capsule ball. (laughs) Uh, I do like that they're adding things to this Mm -hmm. I always appreciate when remasters, you know, they don't have to reinvent the wheel, but add a little extra wheel. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. 
Wheel 2.0. <laughs> so that was about all of the news we had this week. Uh, like I said, a little bit of a light week, but also some pretty cool stuff. This year I decided I actually wanted to like follow hockey a little bit more than just the most casual of casuals. So I subscribed to a service that streams all of the NHL to your television. Uh, the Boston Bruins home opener. I went to watch it and boom, blackout restrictions apply, which I thought was kind of ridiculous because I'm still 200 miles away from Boston, but whatever. Had I had NordVPN, that wouldn't have been a problem. I would have just gone in, changed my settings to another geographic area, and boom, I could have been watching all the Boston Bruins home games like it was nothing at all. So now I have NordVPN, and I can watch the home games of my local teams streaming without being frustrated. It's the same thing with, like, Netflix. It has all these complicated licensing rules, which from one country to another don't really make sense. So something you could watch on South Korean Netflix, you won't be able to watch on the United States Netflix unless NordVPN, boom, switch to South Korea, and you're watching whatever Korean drama that you want I highly recommend you do that. I haven't done it myself, but people seem to enjoy them. And who am I to try to bring down people's enjoyment? Uh, NordVPN, more than just entertainment and sports availability, it's going to protect you, especially when you're traveling, when you're using public Wi-Fi. People are trying to get in there. They're creeping on you. Bad actors, people trying to steal your password, your bank account details. Who knows what the government's doing these days? I can't keep track. They're all over the damn place. NordVPN... It's going to protect you. It's going to protect up to six devices because I know you have at least that many devices in front of you right now that can hook up to the internet. Boom. Fastest VPN in the world. You're not going to get any buffering. You're not going to get any lagging. Uh, it's going to stop your ISP from bandwidth throttling, which they do. That's kind of sneaky, especially how much you're paying those guys. There's threat protection to protect you from viruses and malicious malware and whatever else. Uh, um unsavory actors are out there. If you want to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash NintendoVC. That's nordvpn.com slash NintendoVC. Victor Charlie. Uh, that link is also going to give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There is no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nice of them, and I appreciate that. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Let's move on to our main topic for this week, which is just talking about some of the reviews that have happened because this has been a busy week. I think I said this last week that uh, this week has is, is had some some big ones coming out, uh, We and we're going to talk about exactly what came out a little later on. But the first thing I want to talk about, if you've been noticing uh, Jonathan's power to keep himself standing on a seat. The six steps. Yeah, those, uh, <laughs> those muscles come from... Your time with Ring Fit Adventure. Jonathan, you reviewed Ring Fit Adventure for us. I did, and I am still sweating from it. Can you, st- can you punch on a brick wall? Let's test it out right now. Right. There's one right there. <laughs> can you pull is. me in actually the fake brick wall from the other set? That'll probably be much easier. <laughs> we'll have an uh, artist rendering of yeah. the events. So what did you, first of all, let's see. What, what score did you give this game? 7.8. 7.8. Very good. Yeah. 
on the IGN scale. That's very cool. Yes. Uh, You've been spending, how how much time have you spent with it? What's the deal with it? For those of you who don't know, this is the fitness game that had the ring that we were all laughing about. Basically a Pilates ring in a game, but, but... How does it actually feel to have spent a bunch of time with it, and how much time did you spend? Yeah, for sure. So I've been playing for about, I'd say it's like two-ish weeks, I think it's been. Um, I've been playing roughly at the least a half hour in a day and at most like two hours in a day. I've been trying to play it with the mentality of it's my gym session for the day. Uh, I'm a little bit of a lapsed gym rat, but I used to go every day, and so roughly spend 45 minutes to an hour at the gym. So I've been spending about that amount of daily time with it, so about 18 hours in total. Um, I haven't, for reference, finished the main campaign. Uh, We talked a little bit about this and it's mentioned in my review. Uh, I haven't finished the campaign, but I've spent so much time with it, and I think I've been playing it the way it was intended to be played. Right. I don't think this is a game... But if you're going to play this game and you're like, a new RPG, great, and you're going to try to power through it the, like, whatever hours it takes, and even if you bump the difficulty all the way down, you won't have fun. Like, this game is not meant to be played like a RPG (laughs) you spend 12-hour sessions with. This is a game meant to be played day by day over a long period of time. Well, it's Uh, essentially similar to actual workouts. Yes. It's it's about building habits, right? It's about doing a little bit every day rather than... You, like you, that's not how you work out. Either. Exactly, you're not going to go to the gym and work out for twelve hours. Yeah, like to you do can't some. Stop of, me. <laughs> <laughs> whatever you do in your free time. Um, like one of the days I did spend playing. You know, I'd say I spent three hours one day because I was doing some capture for the review and all that stuff. And after that, like the next day, I just couldn't play because my legs were so sore. It was one of those like, oh, I I can't do my job right now because it hurts <laughs> right. like physically. Like it's a weird thing. Uh, the physical limitation yeah. how much you can play this It game. was a really funny thing. Like the way I start off my review is very true. It's like this game was hard, not because like the difficulty of it is hard, but because like it is a surprisingly physically demanding workout. Um, I was surprised and very much impressed by how much it forced me to like step up my game. Um, and it's pretty good about knowing where your fitness level is, but it does allow you to change that at any time. It basically has like a level like one to 30 of fitness and it tests you out with just a couple quick steps, uh, based on your age and a couple other things, but it lets you change that if it feels too difficult or too easy and you can always adjust at any point. So if you're feeling really out of it, but like, you're like, I just want to play a little bit today. You could probably bump it down for a day. You could pump it up if you really want to struggle. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Because the interesting thing is, it is an R- the main adventure is an RPG that you're playing through. You're this character who, essentially, you find a mysterious ring, and the ring is like, hey, dude, d- pull me, or whatever. I, <laughs> That's when I look, would just walk look, away. Listen, um, it sounds like I said a weird thing. The dialogue in this game, we'll get to that in a second. But anyway, you in like cliche 101 of RPGs, you accidentally unleash Drago, the buff bodybuilding dragon from the box art on the world. He was trapped in the ring who is his friend, but imprisoned him because he was worried about him spreading his darkness over the world. And I don't know if his darkness was like the goal was to entrance everyone into being like his fitness slaves or to make everyone unfit. Like it's not clear what he wanted at the start. Cause he's a bodybuilder. He's yeah. He loves to work out. So there, it would be weird if his goal was make everyone sit around on the couch and eat potato chips. I mean, to make right? you look better in the and ancient evil has awoken yeah. and he's stacked. I mean, that's why I always assume you bring pies in and why I brought cookies in. So that to make everyone, to make everyone else, else feel worse. bad about their body. So I don't have to always feel that way. So yeah. are you the but, bad guy then? I guess so. Well, it's it's like the dumb RPG knew. cliche of like you just un- accidentally unleash the evil. So it's up to you and Ring, who is the the Pilates ring, the ring fit controller, anthropomorphized and talking to you, who's basically what? like your fitness guy. Wait, Tio, 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 Tio. 
the ring's name is Ring. Ring. Come on. Ring. I know, not even like Ringo. Ring <laughs> like Ringu, like the horror film. Just Ring. Yeah. Um, and he's basically like your trainer slash fitness companion who's like, come on, we got to go through this. And then it's a series of different worlds that are each spread into a series of different levels that you progress through. Uh, and as you go on, you gain new exercises. Uh, you gain access to new recipes for new smoothies and soups, which are the potions. Uh, there are side quests in there. Um, there are little mini games you can access and you're collecting coins to buy new clothes, which unlock, uh, better stats there's a skill tree so like there's a lot of things that sound very rpg-ish but it's all done through fitness iconography or actual fitness exercise Mm. the concept kind of scares me a bit because when i play an rpg and i get to the final boss there's a sense of finality but if i beat this game i'm not fit forever True. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I'm donating exercise again. I'm beat the game. Well, and that's why I'm in an abs. I, I definitely would like to, like, I'm, I plan on keep playing it every day. And I'm definitely going to, like, check back in after I finished it to, like, maybe write up a piece about how the story ends. Like, mm. if it has. Because the game is really great when it comes to its fitness mentality about, like, this is about this journey. This is, like, we're going to get Drago. But every world ends with, like, oh, we fought Drago and he gets away. We have to fight him again. <laughs> um, and so it's that silly thing. But... The game is really good about, um, in terms of like fitness acumen and accuracy, it really cares about your form over like, don't just try to do 50 squats as quickly as possible. Like bend correctly and make sure your body is properly positioned and make sure you're breathing well and make sure you're taking your time. Like, Well, that's super important. Yes. Because doing exercises badly or wrong can injuries yes yeah and the game is like the game can only do so much since it is at the end of the day like impartial to what's going on in the real world right it can only present you with as much information as possible and it does a really good job of that like for example squats are an attack and uh, i think it's like 20 to 25 squats uh, is one attack that you get to do and you have to do them but it doesn't matter the pace at which you do them uh the last five it wants you to do more quickly popping up and down but in terms of those 20 to 25 you could take two minutes you could take 10 to finish mm-hmm. them like if it's really a struggle for you uh there are some exercises where you have to lay down on the ground or do a plank or something the game's always like stand up but take as much time as you need make sure to stay hydrated take mm-hmm. a break if you need like it's always doing doing those things which in other games are like on the wii were annoying because the wii would remind you so much to take a break right <laughs> but do they here have it hydration makes checks they do uh, the game pretty much will be like after two or three levels, hey, you want to stop for today? And then if you say, no, I want to continue, it's like, cool, just remember to keep hydrating. Hydration check. And so like, <laughs> it's, it's really good about making sure it's like health aspects are seriously like giving you as much as it can as a game. That's nice. And then yeah. beyond that, yeah, the actual game itself, the combat, that sort of thing, it seemed like you enjoyed it, but it's not not gonna you know it's not the witcher it's not gonna win any award yeah it's the combat itself i think is the most inventive part of the game because uh just on the last bit of the story and everything the world is very simplistic and intentionally designed that way because how you get through a level is you either run in place or do squats if you're you know in an apartment and don't want to bother your neighbor you (laughs) your character is just on a fixed path and running there are sometimes branching paths that you can go back to and collect items and whatnot but you're always going along this fixed path and it's kind of like the world is always going by you as if you're sitting in a train car Hmm. and the world's going by. So it doesn't need to be that complex, but it's pretty forgettable as a result. Um, But anyway, in terms of battles, they'll come up throughout the game and 
you choose a set of skills that you want. Uh, they're divided into four different muscle groups. So like core arms, squats, and yoga, um, (laughs) the four main pillars of working out and you choose which moves you want. And then you go into battle. Some of those moves have different cooldown uh, amount of turns. Uh, some of them will make you do 20 squats versus like 10 yoga poses of a certain like warrior pose or whatnot. Um, and you choose which moves you want to do. Now, sometimes it makes sense. You quickly gain the ability to color match. So enemies who are all very much like fitness equipment, but monsters. So it's like a dumbbell or a barbell or whatnot, um, or like a runner. Uh, they all are different colors and they match up to the colors of your skills. So you quickly gain the ability to be like, Oh, I'm about to fight a a battle with three blue enemies. I should, or three yellow enemies. I should bring core moves, which are yellow because I'll get an advantage. But on the do, do the enemies line up with like the barbells are are arm moves and runners are leg moves and that sort of thing? The, uh, yeah, for the mo- <laughs> no, no, actually, uh, enemy types can they can be all different gotcha. of the colors. Yeah, so okay. like the bar, the dumbbell, or there's like a kettlebell enemy. They could be each of the four colors. Mm. Um, and so you're going through and you choose the moves you want. Sometimes you want to have all of a similar type of move. You could ignore that if you want. You could maybe even bump down the difficulty so it's not as like tedious to get through. But you could program, oh, for these three levels, I want to focus on my arms today. So I'm just going to do arm moves. Right. Um, so it has a nice amount of flexibility to it. It does allow you to do, outside of the adventure, custom sets of uh, exercises that you want. Just jump into quick play to do predetermined lists of exercises they have and mini games and whatnot to focus on certain abilities. Um, I really like that aspect of it. Uh, I cool. think that stuff works really well. I just think... Some of it doesn't quite stick the landing when mm-hmm. it comes to like the repetitive nature of a lot of it and the fact that I wanted to be invested in the RPG campaign, but I'm only invested because it involves my health. Like I'm not invested in the world they've created really. Right. Despite a few fun puns, like the world doesn't really grab me and I wish it did because if it did, I'd recommend this like over the moon. I still think this is totally worth getting, especially if you want like a cheaper exercise option. It's 80 bucks for the game and the ring. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a pretty solid exercise option. If you can't get to a gym very easily, if you don't want to leave your house much, if gyms are scary, I know they can be very scary for people who are going for the first time. They're intimidating. Yeah. It, and this takes all of that stuff out of it for a relatively affordable price. Hmm. Um, so I think it's a really good option for that sort of thing. Cool. Will we see this game at a Games Done Quick event? Oh, I hope so. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, <laughs> I don't know if there's a way to like glitch Ring Fit. They are, they'll find one. Uh, yeah. At the very I least, promise. you just have a gauntlet. People just run in and just do an exercise and run out. Well, because I mean, <laughs> it's like mean, a relay. At yeah. the end of the day, really one Joy Cons, the ring, one is on your leg. You could do it so you're just holding the ring and holding the leg Joy Con and using your arms to be like, you could uh-huh. cheat it. And sure, that event that won't be fun though. If you're looking for like to get something out of this game, speedrunning right. is supposed to be fun. Be fun to watch though. Fast, it's a job. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like we fit or any of those those games, you could just play on the couch, right? Yeah, a lot of the yeah. time, and it, it, it's like, what's the point at that point? Yeah. That's not why you're getting it. Exactly, and I think this one does a good job of encouraging you to like play its its exercise. Right. Yeah. Well, very cool. Thank you for uh, for breaking that down of again. Course. His full review is on IGN as well. I'm doing a lot of like. Pitches today. I'm sorry about that. It's almost like we have jobs. <laughs> <laughs> Another one I wanted to call out. Uh, 
Mr. John Ryan, who reviewed this for us, is not here to talk about it, but he reviewed The Witcher 3 Complete Edition, which is the Switch version of The Witcher 3, The Switcher. The Switcher. The Switcher. Uh, He gave it an 8.0. Our original score for the base game a million years ago was a 9.3, and I think that uh, to sum up his review in in so many words— Basically, it's what we thought it was going to be, right? Mm-hmm. It's a a good port that looks demonstrably worse, and everyone knows that. <laughs> but it's a phenomenal game still, and if you're playing it, you know it's going to look worse. But if you and if you have another option to play it somewhere else, we've said this a million times on NBC. If you could play it somewhere else, you probably should. But if you can't and you're interested in this game, it's a wonderful one to pick up. Uh, one of the things I thought that was interesting that he did say though is that. Uh, you probably just don't want to play it in dock or docked mode on TV. Interesting. Because it's just all of the like little things that they removed and the low resolution and the low draw distance and all those things just become so much more apparent on the on a big screen. It reminded me of a Mortal Kombat script mode mm. where it's just like you could see all the imperfections right. so much better on a screen. Like, ah, I want to go back to my handheld mode where yeah. I can't see it as badly. But then the flip of that is that you're fighting a lot of enemies in like underbrush and tall grass, and when they're so small and they're under that grass, it's hard to see. So it's, of course, got problems, but I don't think that there are any problems that we weren't expecting. Technically, you know, it's got graphical issues, but it runs well enough. Which Uh, is magic in and of itself. Yeah, exactly. And Uh, this is not a game where you need it like locked at 60 to make sure you're tactically always on the up and up. And I think, uh, I don't know about you guys, but... If you have not played this game and you don't have an opportunity to play it elsewhere, The Witcher 3 is great. Yeah. And and you should absolutely check it out if you're you're on the fence about it. It would definitely hold you over if you were looking for a, uh, a holiday game and nothing oh, yeah. else could tide you over, I guess. With all the expansions, it's like, JR said it was like 150 hours worth of stuff to do, basically. And he wrote the guides for most of that, too. Right. Uh, and Crazy man. On top of that, also, this is something that was part of the Definitive Edition or the Game of the Year Edition or whatever they called it before that included all of the expansions. But if you played the base game and you didn't play any of the expansions, buying this game lets you jump to the end of the base campaign and you can just jump right into Hearts of Stone and Blood and Wine. Which are amazing expansions. Right. I mean, Heart- Blood and Wine is widely regarded basically just a great game on its own <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you if you were just playing that separately. So that's that's The Witcher in a nutshell, because uh, I haven't played it yet on Switch. But uh, yeah, so we give Nate, again, full review on IGN.com. Uh, the last game I wanted to touch on that's coming out this week, I reviewed. I gave <gasps> a 7.0. This is Little Town Hero, which is the brand new game from Game Freak. Uh, for anybody who isn't aware, Game Freak is the Pokemon developer. And this game, they've made other games. Like, they made yeah. they made. Tembo the Badass Elephant. elephant. Uh, They made, I can't remember the name of it. Oh, they made... Giga Wrecker? Giga Wrecker. You're right about that. Didn't they also make uh, the game I think Jose and Pear were obsessed with that got me obsessed with it when I used to be just a listener to NBC, the uh, horse racing solitaire game on 3DS? Yes, I don't remember the name of it. I love that. Yes, they did that. Uh, So they've made other games, but this is actually the first RPG they've made in like 20 years, 22 years, something like that. That isn't Pokemon, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, I give it a 7... And there's been mixed <laughs> impressions of this game online, which I think is totally fair, and I 100% understand. The reviews range from, scored reviews range from a like a 6 to a 9, right? Some people are really liking it. Other people are really not hot on it. I know uh, 
Game Explain, our friends over at Game Explain, was the first time they've ever used the hated it on their <laughs> scale of reviewing games, uh, which, frankly, I understand because, and I've told this to a few people in the office, I started this game and I was like, this game is amazing. It's a nine. I'm in love with it. Halfway through the game, I wanted to stop reviewing it. I was so frustrated and so mad at it that I just couldn't believe how much I like didn't like it. Uh, and then once I kind of understood more what was annoying me about it, I was able to kind of play around that and figure out how to enjoy it more. And I actually ended up coming around on it. And I, I think it's a good game, but I think it's... I think it's good said like that. I think it, I think it's good, right? It's not, not like, like a roller coaster. It's not like I'm saying, "Oh, it's good." I'm like, "Oh, it's good." You know, it's it's a subtle difference. <laughs> There's a, yeah, but that's very a specific key thing. intonation. I, think I had a similar yeah. experience with a uh, We Happy Few where I liked it. Oh, and it was like okay, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that it's, game were like twelve hours shorter. Yeah, <laughs> it didn't have all the weird uh, generated stuff. Yeah. So the 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 sum up of my thoughts is basically the battle system is so cool. It's actually closer to almost something like Slay the Spire than it is Pokemon, in that it's got this this system where you get ideas pulled from your headspace, and it's like a finite pool of ideas. Then you spend energy to turn those ideas into attacks, and you use those attacks on your enemies' attacks, and they match up and they fight. That sounds so emotionally tiring. (laughs) (laughs) It's a lot, right? And this is the big problem. The battle system is really cool, but everything in the game is too slow. The animations are slow. The UI is sluggish. You move around town too slow. There's no sprint button. You can't skip any of those mid-battle animations. Every fight could be half as long, mm. and the game would be twice as good, to be perfect. A 14. I'm always scared of an RPGs. <laughs> a 14. Thank you, Jonathan. Anytime. <laughs> yeah, I, my, my main fear of getting to most RPGs is well, I don't have the time investment for slow, sluggish Yeah outcomes yeah and and the 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 reason that the game is so frustrating and i can completely understand why some people would be entirely put off by it is because certain enemies have these randomized attacks where they could randomly disable one of your attacks in a turn or they could Mm. randomly there's one attack where it's called it has an ability called faint and when you're going up against that attack the attack you use is chosen completely randomly and that sucks to deal with (laughs) like it is just not fun to deal with and there's strategy to play around that where you can say okay there's a faint coming up so i should only activate one of my ideas so that i'm guaranteed to get that one because it can't randomly go to another one rather than activating four ideas at once and then i don't know which one i'm going to get you can play around that but because everything moves so so slow it it causes all of the bad coin flips all the coin flips that don't go in your favor to just feel terrible because then you're like I one time I and this was the moment I wanted to quit as I was an hour into a fight and I lost because of some bad coin flips where I literally could have won on a turn but a random attack of mine was disabled and I just didn't get it even I had to redo the fight and when I redid the fight I won in 10 minutes yeah right like the the inconsistency of the randomness and the slowness causing you to be like I don't know how long this is going to take me and it's driving me mad like I can totally understand why that would annoy people you you saying an hour into a fight, regardless of what came after that statement to me, is just like, oh, I can't do that right and now. And that was I uncommon. Right? Yes. I didn't yeah, get yeah. many fights that were an hour, but they, could happen. They could happen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that said, the game is so charming and it's really, really pretty. Um, and it doesn't, I, this is a weird phrase to say, but it doesn't overstay its welcome, right? Like it didn't get the actual, everything I was doing in it, I was enjoying like theoretically uh, when it wasn't annoying me, I guess, with slowness. But 
And the, the combat system is just so unique. I've never really used anything like it that at the end of the day, after the 15 hours it took me to beat it, I was I really did enjoy my time with it. Like, I was very happy with it. And I really liked the characters and the story and all that part of it. All right, so story, combat, nice. What about my man Toby Fox's music? Okay, so <laughs> this was something that somebody talked... I talked to you about this yes, at lunch. Yeah. Uh, this was something fam. somebody said in... Uh, the comments of the review is I didn't actually talk about the music in the review. Mm-hmm. And honestly, that's just because it wasn't that memorable. Interesting. Like, like, it was not bad music by any means. The The main town theme is very cute and the instrumentation changes as you go around the town. Mm-hmm. But it, it just kind of was fine, right? Like, it, it wasn't amazing. It wasn't bad at all. It was just sort of like, yeah, this is nice little semi-generic RPG music. I mean, that might just be a indication of like, how much control you have over a game can influence how he makes his music for Toby Fox. Mm. Since he made all of Undertale, right. his music is directly influenced by the events of the game and the characters yeah. and the way it fluctuates. Whereas if he only has a piece of the puzzle, making music for a game that he's not developing, is this the result? Or Yeah. You know, it's, just, it's not music I'm going to be singing like Megalovania, right? right. Like it's, none of, it's nothing like that. But again, the boss theme was really nice. The battle music was fine. It got repetitive, but maybe that was because the fights were lasting an hour, right? Like that's not necessarily the song's fault. Any um, song you listen to for an hour is a lot. <laughs> exactly. Um, question though, just on the nature of like the issues you had with it. Does yeah. any of that stuff, you know, if Game Freak sees criticism of these things, do those elements feel like something they could address in updates or patches without like destroying the setup of the game? Honestly, this is a weird thing to say. And I, me and Dan talk about this a lot that we really don't like the idea that like, oh, so what aspect of this game is worth 0.2 points, you know, or something like that. If they put in a way to hold a button to speed up animations in combat or skip animations entirely in combat, like, probably this game would go up a full point in my mind. Which is one of the best things Fire Emblem ever did, was it lets you choose the speed of battle. Yeah. If you could choose the speed of battle in this game, it would be a significantly more enjoyable experience, not just because it would be faster and less sluggish, but because the fear of losing to randomization 30 minutes into a fight would suddenly dissipate. Because that's the thing about Slay the Spire, too. Slay the Spire is if you if you lose to a terrible dice flip because you didn't draw any block on the turn the enemy was going to do a crazy attack, like, that sucks. But that's the whole point of Slay the Spire, is you're going to die, you're going to restart, and you're going to go again, and it's fast, right. right? It's the same thing with Super Meat Boy. Yeah. Super Meat Boy kills you unfairly all the time. But you die, you respawn, you go again. In a game where there is that fear of random death or unfair death. The fact that it moves so slowly <laughs> is just, it's un, it's not great. Yeah. Um, if they could fix some of those things with patches, I would be able to more recommend this game more heartily. Mm-hmm. Right now, I think it's a fun game, but it's one that in an era where there are so many games coming out, it's like hard to fully recommend. Yeah. It's definitely not bad, I sure. think, but also you could have an experience with it that leaves you going, I hate this game, like some people did. Or you could have an experience with it where you're like, oh, this is great. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's really hard to tell. For sure. Anyway, those are the big games that came out uh, that we reviewed this week for the Switch. Uh, if you want to see any of those reviews, once again, IGN.com, because I can't stop plugging today, and I apologize about that. You might as well call me Tom Corkmarks. Plug it some more, Tom. <laughs> I'm going to leave. That was your third strike was mine. Yeah, your thing. Okay, cool. Uh, Let's talk about some of the games that have come out this week that we didn't review because there's a (laughs) whole bunch of them. Actually, the first thing I want to talk about, because I forgot to mention this at the top of the show, Pear lent this to us. This is, if you're watching the video, I'm sorry, you won't be able to see it very clearly. 
Uh, Pear got his Disney Sumsum oh. Japanese Switch in and the Japanese uh, dock that came with button. it. It's that? very cute. Uh, it's got little oh. card card symbols all over it. The Joy-Con controller the colors home button. are very cute. Yeah, there's a Mickey Mouse ears around the round home button. Oh, uh, sorry, Pear, that you won't be able to get this back. <laughs> oh, that, the home button. vanished into his pocket. The home button's worth the 250 to me, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it's very a cute, cute. one. Yeah. It's a very, very cute one. So we wanted to, to bring that on. I'm sorry that it's small and you can't see it, but it's it's adorable. And I'm sure you can go to Pear's Twitter account and... Find tons of pictures of it after this. Let's talk about the, some actual games, though. Uh, the first things that I want to talk about, Planescape Torment and Icewind Dale Enhanced Editions, and then also Baldur's Gate and Baldur's Gate 2 Enhanced Editions all came out on October 15th. Uh, each of those, those are two different sets of two games, are $50. This is pretty exciting that these games are out on Switch. Yeah. It's weird, it but It is cool. very strange, but I'm not <laughs> complaining. Right. I, I, I It's... These are two. These are four just fantastic classic CRPGs, which right. is just computer RPG for those of you who don't know. Which basically just means isometric, top down. You know, Divinity or Pillars of Eternity. Those are sort of the modern analogs of those. Uh, it's just cool to see these. Pretty pricey. It's like technically twenty five each. Yeah, twenty five dollars yeah. each is like. I guess that's not terrible. No, the fact yeah, that you have to buy them is like it's a, that's very pricey for a very old game, but also it's like. The grandfather of CRPGs, right? Some one of the best ones ever done. Yeah. So these these are phenomenal games. Uh, I kind of wish you would be able to buy them individually. Yeah. Than yeah. Having to spend because any one of these games is going to take you dozens and dozens of hours to play through, right? So the fact that you're forced to spend fifty dollars for two massive games is I feel like the sweet lot. spot for these would have been, and not that like we should judge everything by price, but the sweet spot would have been twenty each. Uh, for each individual game, thirty for the two pack bundles would have been nice. Yeah, thirty is see. That's the thing is thirty to me is low because really? I'm not sure what the what they have. I've to never do played to get these. This so Switch. They said dot. They saved it as dot Switch. Thirty eight dollars. Oh. You use that joke. I know. Beyond. Yeah, that's not fair. It was a it was a callback to earlier this week <laughs> on another show. Yeah, sure. Callback that no one listening will get. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, those are some cool ones, though. We already talked about The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt Complete Edition, which came out on the 15th for $60 as well. Another game that came out on the 15th, uh, another big one, and we haven't gotten a review of this yet because we didn't get code early, uh, or we had, we weren't able to play early. Uh, Overwatch Legendary Edition came out on the 15th for $40, uh, and we gave the original game a 9.4. We are working on a review for the Switch, I believe. Um, this is an interesting one, though, because yeah. aside from the whole Hong Kong Blizzard controversy that's going on, Blizzard actually canceled a launch event at the New York uh, Nintendo store this week, which is a whole deal that we could spend hours digging into, and I, I'd kind of prefer to just talk about the game right now. We played some in the office, and it seems like people are having a lot of performance issues with this game. I don't know if you guys have seen I haven't much seen of any of that. I saw like two minutes of it on the TV and it seemed fine. It, it, so like it looks okay, right? It looks yeah. the same. In a lot of ways, it looks like any other sort of big name game on Switch port on the surface at least, which is it's fine. It's yeah. definitely reduced. It's definitely jaggy around the edges and you can especially see that in characters. It's a little muddy in textures, but it runs. But, and while I haven't had experience the uh, extensive experience playing it myself, there are a lot of reports online of people being like, I load into a game and I don't have a character model. Ooh. I load into other games and all the enemies are invisible. I get disconnected here and there. It's a lot of issues being reported right now. 
Yeah. Uh, Whereas The Witcher, it being a single player game, like connection wasn't a big issue. Right. It matters a lot more in a twitchy, faster shooter like Overwatch. Yeah, you need it to be running well. And you have to be like, what are they sacrificing to make this work on a Switch? And if someone's playing on Wi-Fi, are they even going to play it at all? Because the Wi-Fi can be right. notoriously bad. Yeah. No, it's 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 kind of weird. And I guess we now know maybe the answer to why did it take Overwatch <laughs> so long to come to Switch is because it's... Or why, yeah, that definitely... Uh, so one thing I did want to call out uh, is that uh, the motion controls in it, we got a chance to see a little bit of those in action, and it seems kind of like pretty much what you'd expect, right, of if you've used um, the bow in Breath of the Wild, where you just kind of do fine-tune aiming. You're not going to want to use motion controls to fully aim in a game like this, but it's not a bad way to just... This is not like Splatoon, where you can no. well, I mean, do only motion controls. I I don't think you'd ever want to do that, right? Uh, this is this is probably more of a method of just kind of fine fine touches, right? Mm. To line up that headshot or something like that, which is it's always useful because I've had that really useful in Breath of the Wild in a similar way. Uh, moving on, Little Town Hero, which we already talked about, came out on the sixteenth. That's twenty five dollars. Ring Fit Adventure on the eighteenth for eighty. Now we're getting into three games that are coming out on the eighteenth that I wanted to give shout outs. All smaller indie games. Um, I'm actually going to save that one for, for last. First one, a smaller one, Mega Aquarium is coming out on the 18th for $24.59, which is just a hilarious number. It's a, it's a great name. It's a, it's a very good name. This is a nice indie game I wanted to shout out because it's it's basically just an aquarium builder. It's like a smaller scaled sim theme park almost, but you build an aquarium and oh. you put fish in it. People come visit and you get money that way. Very, very cute game. One worth checking out. Another very well-loved game, uh, a Hat in Time, which is this 3D platformer inspired by Mario games, 3D Mario games. Uh, we gave the original game when it came out on PC and other p- platforms an eight. This is $30, also coming out on the 18th. Have any of you guys played this? No, it's it, up my backlog. It's Man. totally up my alley. It's on everyone's backlog, yeah. isn't no, it? Like, I, it's I, a backlog I game. I with ukulele first, and I love that game, but I heard that Hat in Time's maybe a little bit better than that, so I'm like, yeah, oh, that's my next one. Hat in Time is a really, really, really cool indie game that evokes a lot of what you love about classic old 3D platformers while not feeling like it is just saddled into being one. Right. It, it feels modern in a lot of cool ways. Uh, and the character design is lovely. So Hat in Time is definitely one to look at. But I don't really want to gush about this last one. Uh, what a surprise. Uh, Return of the Obra Dinn is coming out on Nintendo Switch on the 18th for $20. The original review of it, which I did last year, gave it a 92 Return of the Oberdin was one of my top, is probably my second game to game of the year, or second or third to game of the year last year. Uh, so it's it's one of my f- absolute favorite adventure games. You are, uh, anybody who was on, I uh, was on Beyond also gushing about this game. So if you do listen to that show too. Oh, no one listens to both shows that time. <laughs> the audience right. has abandoned you. <laughs> All right, point, point taken. Um you go onto a boat, and this entire game is one bit, so it's all one color and black on screen. But you can change the color. You can change bit. the color, yes. Uh, you go onto a boat that has washed up on shore after being lost for three years or whatever called the Oberdin, and the entire crew is either missing or dead, and you go there not to solve the mystery of what happened to them necessarily. You just have, you're an insurance evaluator, and you have to find out what happened to every member of the crew. You go down a log, uh, just to get the insurance claim right. 
And it's so mundane and silly, but the way you do that is you have a compass that you can walk up to the body of a crew member and see, you hear the last, like, minute of audio of their death with a black screen. So you don't see anything. You just hear what's going around around them, and then you hear, like, a bang or a shot or a crack, and the world comes into view frozen in the last moment where they died. And you can walk around the scene and investigate and see what, if you can piece together who killed them with what and how and all that jazz and who they were because you don't yeah. know any names. And you have like a, your journal has like a couple of, a, like there was a ship's artist who drew like everybody on the deck. Yeah. And so you can match their faces like, oh, that's that person who was next to who I think is the captain. Right. So I think that might be the first mate, maybe? Yeah. And then you get to figure out, like, okay, how does this all work out in relation? And sometimes the beats you see are all out of order chronologically. Oh, yeah. You start, uh, the last, the thing, first thing you see is, like, the last scene of the game. Yeah. And then you don't exactly go backwards. You jump around in time. And things get very strange very quickly. <laughs> it's I, so cool. I was not, you told me to try it out, so I did. You didn't tell me anything about that, and yeah. I'm glad you did. So, yeah, yeah, just go with an open mind. Don't read too much into it before you try. But, like, if you love, like, old-school adventure games, you have to, like, write notes to yourself because you will yeah. probably be writing notes to yourself. There's a lot of—I've never played a, a detective game or a, a detecting, investigating game that felt more freeing of just— just go wild. Just go look and find out for yourself and you can make up your choices and you can make mistakes and just figure it out. Mm-hmm. It is absolutely probably one of my favorite games of all time, to be honest, probably in my top 20. Uh, people hear me gush about indie games occasionally on this show and I try to temper that, right? Like I try to only really go out on a limb when I like mean it. This is absolutely one of those games where I would recommend it to anybody across the board and the fact that it's out on Switch is so phenomenally exciting because yeah. not enough people got to play it when it was only on PC. I will confirm Tom's uh, <laughs> excitement on this. Like, I really went in and I loved every second. Like, when you get three right people who die by the right things, like, when you match up three of them, they'll give you a, a notification. And, like, that moment where you, like, it clicks, you're like, oh, I was right. Called it. Yeah. Called it. It feels so good. The the One of the key things of what makes this game so great in the feedback is that it only confirms when you've gotten guesses right. You have to guess who they are, how they died, and who killed them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it only confirms when you've gotten a guess right when you get three people correct. Yeah. So you can do some guessing. And it tells you, you that you probably will have to guess for a couple of these things. Right. But you can't just like brute force every answer because it won't tell you if you're right until you've gotten three right. But then at the same time, since you tells you every three, you get this feedback where you're like, you you enter in the last little bit of information on a person you need and then it like pauses and is like, well done. And you're like, yeah, yeah. I did it. The way it gives you clues is so ingenious. Like, oh, yeah. You have to be aware of the environment of where did that person die and why? Yeah. And is there a relation to who they are versus where they died? And sometimes it's really obvious. Like sometimes they'll just yell like, Jeremy, you killed my brother. Yeah. And then you'll like, oh, you'll be like, oh, that guy's Jeremy. But other times it's as obscure as like you have to look at, and I don't want to give up too much weight because if I talk about the clues, then you'll know to look right. for them. But sometimes you have to like look at what a person is wearing and be like, oh, that person's outfit matches this person and that person was this role on the ship, which means this person is also one of those roles on the ship and there's four people that could be that share that role, so which one do I think it is? And even the nationality, because yeah. just like in real life, like back then, ships, like the people were like confined to certain areas. Like they're, maybe all the top salesmen were all like Chinese immigrants. Right. Whereas all the blow decks people were all Russian immigrants. Yeah. So they kind of like group together and you kind of go, oh wait, I'm seeing a pattern here and that actually pays off. Yeah, it's really, 
It's really an amazing game. I'll shut up about it because I've gone on for far too long, <laughs> like way, way too long. But oh, Oberdin, yeah. Return of the Oberdin, uh, it's out on the 18th for $20, and I could not recommend it more just flat out. Let's talk about what we've been playing recently, though. I can't. Okay. Well, what we've <laughs> been playing that aren't, aren't embargoed. So sad. Brendan can't talk about Breath of the Wild 2 yeah. because that's embargoed. Uh, but... The Splatoon level is great, though. I sort of already <laughs> talked about uh, the games I've been playing, Little Town Hero and Slay the Spire. Also, I didn't say this mm-hmm. earlier, but Slay the Spire, I always have to do this. Slay the Spire is published by Humble Bundle on Switch. Humble Bundle is owned by Ziff Davis, who's the parent company that owns IGN, but they don't influence our coverage at all. We just put that disclosure on there so you know that we like this game because we like this game and not because of any relationship. Hat in Time as well. Oh, yeah, Hat in Time yeah, is yeah. as well. I actually f- completely forgot about yeah, that one. Yeah, no, all good. This makes it complicated. We have, we have to put them in all the news stories, so I'm, yeah, I'm right. very used to knowing which ones. Yeah. Thanks, John. Anytime. But what about you guys? Besides the embargoed <laughs> thing. Man, Brendan. Uh, I just started uh, the ukulele, the 2D game. And the Impossible Lair. So the good. The Impossible Lair, yeah. Uh, this I'm is both really down for you guys, it. right? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. we talked about this a little bit on the show earlier, uh, I think like last week or the week before, but have you guys been enjoying it? A lot. I'm still in the beginning because I'm, have other work to do <laughs> but uh yeah i'm i'm really enjoying this take on it but maybe i am like five or six hours in um i love it uh i haven't played through all of the first ukulele i've played a bit of it uh and i totally as like someone who loved rare and the banjo kazooie games are some of my like most fond nostalgic memories ukulele feels like it makes more sense as a donkey kong country spiritual successor right now that, <laughs> like it works better than it did as a banjo spiritual successor right um for platonic obviously with the uh heritage that they have the gameplay it feels great like the cl- classic platforming jumping quick attacks all that stuff feel great they've adapted the ukulele uh Mechanics pretty well into 2D. The worlds are just so beautiful and colorful and vibrant, and they look so great on a 2D plane. Um, And the game just is so smartly layered where levels can have two different versions to them, and it really does completely change the level. Like, it doesn't just make it a slightly different color palette swap. It is like one level is a standard platforming level, then you flood it with water, and then it's an underwater level. And certain areas are closed off, certain new ones are open, or it's a totally on-rails, like, grinding vines sort of level instead of just a normal platforming level. There's a lot of stuff there. And then the overworld itself has a lot of great puzzles and environmental stuff to go find in it. So it's got a lot to it, and all of it has been a really fun to play. And I just feel like because they had this more constricted view of how you see things, they got to pull up more nuance and detail into what you do see. Yeah. Versus, I, I loved ukulele and I 100%ed it, uh, but I do feel like you know some of the areas just very barren. Yes. And yeah. They're too open for their own good. Whereas they got to con- refine everything and go like, okay, we're only going to have this view, so let's put a lot of stuff in here so you can look at and like just looks pleasing. It feels a lot more living and vibrant. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like it a lot. I recommend it. I can't wait to play it in January. Yeah. Right. <laughs> now I get that. Or over winter break. Yeah. There's so much going on right now that it's just unfortunately one of those games that's getting pushed to the wayside for me. Yeah. And I guess that's not necessarily like, it's not the end of the world. It's not one that needs to be played right away, I think, but it's one I'm very excited to rediscover later yeah. i guess once i have a little more time and a little more energy for it because it seems right at my it's alley. it's definitely one i do wish was getting a little more like attention it does right. feel like it's going a bit under the radar and granted you know we're getting into the rush of the fall but yeah i i love it a lot and totally think if you are a like 2d platforming fan this is a 
great one to pick up. Well, and ukulele, frankly, is just the... Not that that game was bad, but it got bad press, and it's yeah. not remembered overly fondly, and I think that's hurting it, honestly. Yeah, I, I do too, especially because there was so much anticipation going in. Like, mm-hmm. a whole generation of N64 Banjo fans were like, here it is, the second coming, and then it came, and it was kind of like, yeah. Yeah. But well, this was great. I'm glad we were able to shout it out again on yeah. the show. Uh, one to check out if you're a fan of, of Donkey Kong Country and those yes. kinds of games. Let's take some reader questions. We're going to be leaning. I'm excited to take some more of these. I wanted to try to make sure we left some time for them because there's some good ones this week. We, of course, ask for questions on the Facebook uh, NVC podcast forums on Facebook. So be sure to join us there. You can also email us at NVC at IGN.com. We have, I think it's NVC podcast at NVC podcast on Twitter. There's a lot of places you can find us uh, to to mail in and have your questions uh, answered on the show potentially. Quick one from our good friend, Lily Zaldivar. Uh, I had to throw this one in. I'm sorry. Of course. Uh, if you had to make a pie that represents Luigi's Mansion 3, what would be the filling? I actually already answered this on Facebook. I said, key lime gooigi with little meringue ghosts on top. I hate you. Wow. It's too perfect, right? Should I even bother answering it? You just already... I thought of that, and I was almost like, maybe I should make that pie. <laughs> yeah, give it a try. I was going to say pumpkin because it's spooky and Halloween-y. Mm. I was going to just say a fill with blueberry cereal. <laughs> 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 just, just a pie crust with blueberry and nothing else. Nothing else. <laughs> I like it. I like that one too. Uh, there was a really good question that I lost. Oh, yes. From Joseph, with the release of Witcher 3, what other huge, quote, everyone says it's impossible, unquote, game would you want to see a graphically nerfed version of on Switch that is still completely playable? Any ideas? Two. I would either like to see... More Dark Souls games on there. Ooh, like three, uh, like two and three. Three. Okay. three especially would be wonderful. Yeah. Um, or if it's, you know, it probably would be impossible, but God, if they could put the rest of the Batman Arkham games on there. Because they oh, had man. 3D on the Those are the both good calls, man. Yeah. yeah. But we never we never saw them come back to Switch. So either uh, the Return to Arkham box set would be nice, or or, or Night. Mm-hmm. Still Stand by Night was a great game, but yeah. it's also like very intensive. So I don't know if they could. I mean, maybe they could do it. I feel like there's like real trophies and a, and a small screen would be very hard to find. Ooh, yeah, but mm-hmm. the the battles could still work well. It would still be doable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm issuing a future challenge uh-huh. to developers and publishers to put Cyberpunk 2077 and Final Fantasy VII remake on the Switch. <laughs> Put them both, both? on there. Wow. Both. Your court. In one cartridge. <laughs> Final Fantasy VII still only announced for PlayStation? Yes. But put it on <laughs> Switch. So you're asking for a port, a, a non-exclusivity port, and then also a port to Switch. Nomura-san, we've spoken a few times. Please put Final <laughs> Fantasy VII Remake on Switch. We haven't talked about that. We've talked about Kingdom I mean, Hearts, I'm not but, against this yeah. idea. But that's also just put the Kingdom Hearts. I was gonna say, <laughs> just put just put <laughs> Kingdom Hearts one point five plus two point five on Switch. It can't be that hard. I again, I don't know how. What if any they just put Kingdom Hearts split. one, two, two point five, three point seven, eight point four, one point seven? There's not that many numbers, Brendan. Don't Honestly, I believed you. I until See, you got to eight point seven, I was like, <laughs> this is this tracks. There's one point five, two point five, three five eight over two days, two point eight, zero point two. Um, oh, but my numbers were were so yes. out there. Anyway, this, this is strike three. Just this put is them strike on, three. Just put them on the switch. Please. Oh no! Actually, that would be a, a good one too. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this is this is I'll, I'll steal this or I'll represent this from uh, our NBC production assistant Logan. 
uh, he actually said a good one, which is another future one. Jedi Fallen Order would be mm. lovely to see, oh, yeah. but clearly EA does not care about Switch games. Like they just don't not really, yeah. they don't really <laughs> do Switch ports. So that would be a an unfortunate or a great one to see, but probably not one we're actually gonna get. Yeah. Um, I don't know beyond that to be honest. Beyond. I I I think that <sighs> said be Strike honest. Force. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like. As weird as it sounds, I'd love something like Apex again. Like I, w- I would want EA to put more support in some of their their better games, like Titanfall. Like if you just did Titanfall one and two as a pack on Switch, that would be so cool. Uh, but I don't think that's going to happen. No. Still, sadly. it's an interesting thing to entertain to think about. Yeah. Jonathan Dornbush asks, <gasps> "Who is your favorite pop culture, Jonathan?" I have two. Uh- <laughs> Jonathan Turner, the professor, uh, one of Corey Matthews' favorite teachers on Boy Meets World. Uh, the other is Jonathan Taylor Thomas, solely for a joke that I've come up with for a trivia team name, which is Jonathan Taylor Thomas did nothing wrong. And the whole point of that is you hear so much about celebrities going on all the time, and suddenly the whole bar has to go, what happened to Jonathan Taylor Thomas? But nothing. He didn't do anything wrong. He's fine. Moving on. Preston yeah, asks. I think a lot about it. Strike five. This is. Uh, hey, I didn't get to answer. Oh. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Preston asks. I, this is a question that I left on here for a long time. I'm actually cutting you off, and I feel bad about that, but I want you to know it's moving on. He was Jonathan Bravo. Yeah. That's a cheat. Anyway, uh, Preston, this this question you asked, I think, like two or three weeks ago on the Facebook group, but I've left it around because I really, really liked it and I haven't been able to get to it yet. Imagine that Nintendo could acquire the rights to one third-party character to take a shot at developing a game for that series. Which character would it be and why? I always thought that the Mario team would make an excellent Sonic game. Uh, so, yeah, what third? if you could have Nintendo take a character that they don't own that is maybe exclusive to another platform, something like that, uh, which team of theirs would you want to see make a game, essentially? Which I think is a really cool, weird question. Just for this episode, uh, because of what we've talked about, uh, the monkeys from Super Monkey Ball. Just let Nintendo make a Monkey Ball game. But who? What team would make it? Ooh, um, come back to me on that. Okay, okay. I have a really weird answer, but one I would love to see. But it's a really weird answer. Okay. Go ahead. I would want the Zelda team, specifically Breath of the Wild team, to make the next Metal Gear. Wow. Yeah. I'd I don't be know down for that. what that would look like, Yeah. but I would be so into it. I think there's some interesting parallels between MGS5 and Breath of the Wild that you could draw. Yeah. Unfortunately... You know what would what would that look like with Konami and Kojima, and we don't have to get into licensing stuff sure. right now. But I think that would be really weird and cool to see Nintendo make the next Metal Gear. That would be I don't know I don't it'll never happen. I'm yeah. not I'm not saying that as a like this could be a thing, but <laughs> it would be weird and cool. Yeah, <laughs> I'd kind of see uh, the the Mario dev team take a crack at Shovel Knight, hmm. either 2D or even 3D. Yeah, but the funny thing is, even as you say that. I realize that I almost kind of just want the flip of this, right? Like, I almost want this question, and we've answered this question on the show multiple times right. when around Cadence of Hyrule, but, like, I'm almost interested in other developers getting Nintendo IP yeah, more than yeah. I am Nintendo getting other people's IP, because Nintendo does their IP so well yeah. uh, that I like the idea of people doing spinoffs of that rather than them doing spinoffs of other people's stuff. I'd like them to take on the uh, PlayStation All-Stars Battle Royale IP. See what they could do. Specifically, you want Sakurai to take I, it? No, I, I, mean, why I want just the Mario Kart team. 
Oh. <laughs> I was going to say, like, why don't you just have a merger like Smash I mean, Bros. X, PlayStation All-Stars? Hey, we still got some characters to guess. should ask Tony's question. <laughs> Tony's question? Yeah. I was going to. Yeah, Tony asks, there's been a murder in the <clears throat> Nintendo universe. God, this is good. Who was murdered? <clears throat> who do you pick to help investigate the murder? That's so good. I got and perfect. who is the primary suspect? Do you have something here? Yes. What? Okay, go ahead. Who's the murderer? <laughs> well, who has been murdered? Who has been murdered? Yes. Sissel from Ghost Trick. Who's going to help me? Sissel from Ghost Trick. All right. Wait now. Hold on a second. Basically, play Ghost Trick. And who's the primary suspect? Missile the dog. <laughs> Jonathan, anything? Anything here? Bowser has been murdered. Bowser has been murdered? Bowser has been murdered. Okay, who's, who do you help to investigate? Detective Kong, DK. <laughs> wow. And who's okay. the primary suspect? Yeah. Luigi. Not Mario. Not Mario. Okay. Because you would expect Mario. Mario's too obvious. Okay. Luigi, though. <laughs> Can I play that game? Yeah. The I mean, thing about okay. Luigi is he... Detective he, Kong. He, he's assumed because... It's always been Mario who's gotten the spotlight with Bowser, and with Bowser out of the picture, there's nothing for Mario to do. Mm. Most of his daily job has been stopping Bowser from things. Finally, Luigi can have his time. He can stop getting caught in mansions. <laughs> and have a life. fan fiction, by the way, because uh, there has to be more to the story. I mean, there is, but I the all the old IGN blogs don't exist anymore. Oh. So, <laughs> I legit wrote some uh, Nintendo fan fiction on the old IGN blogs way back in the Amazing. day. Amazing! I'm just finding the dark. It. Yeah, no, that truly happened. Actually, it wasn't just <laughs> Nintendo fan fiction. It was Nintendo cross Sony cross Microsoft fan fiction. It was sort of like a Smash Bros. thing, but whatever. It's, it's not. So you that. invented. PlayStation All-Stars? Basically, yeah. <laughs> wow. All right. Uh, I'm saying 100% Luigi was murdered because he's art. we've seen him die. It's true. It's a thing that's fair. happened. Yeah. Uh, who, do you, know. who do you help to pick the investigation? This is a throwback. I don't remember the name. You guys remember in, I can't remember even which one it is. One of the Paper Marios had a train mystery game that was like Murder on the oh, Orient Express yeah. level. Oh, yeah. And there was a toad that was like the investigator toad. Good. Yeah. I would have that guy. <laughs> Because Logan said uh, Phoenix Wright, which I think is a great pick, but also like a little on the nose, right? Mm. And not, not that it's a bad one by any means. But yeah, I would want that investigator toad. And I think almost certainly Funky Kong did it. Because that guy's up to some stuff. I don't think it was malicious, right? Like an accident, like manslaughter? I think he was probably under the influence of something. Oh, uh, okay. Because you know he parties. Like Cammy was using magic to distract him. Kamek? Sorry, Kamek. You yes. can go back I'm to tired. the now. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> uh, it's been a long day. <laughs> yeah. No, I think he was I think he was under the influence of something and he just didn't know what he was doing and he he ran to a deserted island. Or he island. just wanted to enable funky mode all the time. Who doesn't to I be know, honest? Right? Uh let's end funky mode on this debacle of an episode. I hope you guys enjoyed this very weird thing. We're going to be back in the swing of things with a little bit more of a regular crew, I'm hoping, next week. Not that I didn't enjoy the lovely presences of Jonathan Dornbush and Brendan Graber. I got things to do. I liked it. I had fun. Thanks again to uh, our production assistant, Logan. And again, you can always uh, email in at nbc at ign.com if you have anything to say. We are on every podcast service and youtube.com and IGN and anywhere you want on Thursdays at 3 p.m., Jonathan, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at JM Dornbush. And Mr. Graber? You can find me in the Forbidden Zone at Raga underscore Fraga. <laughs> the Forbidden Zone. 
Uh, I'm at at Tom R. Marks on Twitter. Uh, you can also find me occasionally on Beyond on Jonathan's show where he tries to guess what the R stands for. That was actually one of the questions you. on here. Yeah, did you answer it? I didn't listen to that episode purposefully. No, I didn't. Okay, fair. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we, we had a blast. We're going to be back once again. A little more in the swing of things next week, but it's been a it's been a crazy week. There's been a lot. Rings asked us to squeeze them. It was I oh I didn't even mention that. Oh yeah, yeah go watch the video review for Ring Fit Adventure for <laughs> one of the strangest recorded voices of dialogue in a Nintendo game. <laughs> oh man, uh, but beyond that, beyond I knew you were gonna do it. Thank you very much for watching, uh, and remember this is the only place where you can. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.